Welcome to the Good Viral Podcast. We believe that people can and want to do more to help others. So we invite you to join the conversation about the small and large ways that we can help people, animals, and the planet. We'll talk about real stories, like the turtle who had a straw stuck up its nose and how the video went viral in 2018 and changed the course of businesses like Megacorp Disney to change their straws to paper. We'll exchange exciting ideas and meet with guests who are actively making a positive impact with their time on this earth. You don't have to do much to inspire a lot. Through this podcast, we want to make things easier for people like yourself to get involved. When good goes viral, the world gets better. Here at Good Viral, we are so excited to bring you our first guest. If you've ever wondered why the world went viral with the idea of turning our plastic straws into paper, well, this is why. We are bringing the woman who created the video that went viral that showed a sea turtle with a straw up its nose that created this movement. Dr. Christine Figener, known as the Sea Turtle Straw Lady, she was raised global awareness on the issue of ocean plastic pollution. While Christine studies sea turtles, she was thrust into the international spotlight when she filmed and published a video of her research team removing a plastic straw from a sea turtle's nose. The video was a catalyst for the anti-plastic straw movement and is now considered a pivotal moment for the global awareness of plastic solution. Christine creates content for social media and speaks at events about sea turtle conservation, fighting plastic pollution, and empowering women in science. In 2018, Time Magazine honored her outreach and advocacy efforts by naming her a next generation leader. As the Director of Science and Education for the U.S.-based Footprint Foundation, she travels the globe educating people about the effects of plastic pollution on our environment and human health. She also inspires people to reduce their use of plastic. She is also the co-founder and scientific lead of a community-centered grassroots conservation organization in Costa Rica that is protecting sea turtles. Christine's overall goal is to reach as many people as possible with her message to eliminate plastic from our environment, save the sea turtles from extinction, empower women in science, and make our planet safer and healthier for wildlife and people alike. Thank you so much, Christine, for joining us today on Good Bio Podcast. Uh, Damien and I are incredibly excited to talk to you um, when it comes to the concept of Good Viral. There was really only one thing that came to mind, and that was the turtle with the straw up its nose, and that video went viral across the world. And so when we had this conversation, um, we were like, oh, I wonder if we can get a hold of Christine. And we were able to get a hold of you. So thank you so much for being here on Good Viral. Well, thank you for having me. This is really cool. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I've, got a, I've got a question. I'd like to know how you got into your, your current field. And, and then, of course, you had to, well, once this uh, video for you started to go viral, for you, did that uh, sort of change what you're what your focus is, because I see now you're also very, very active in sort of making the world know more about some of the problems that are, that exist every day in our oceans. So, uh, so can you share with us a little bit about those, those two things? Yeah. So I studied marine biology. So I was a marine biologist um, and I always wanted to be a marine biologist, mainly actually for whales, humpback whales were like my big love as a teenager growing up. And then I kind of went into the sea turtle world a little bit by accident, I would say, because I had a chance of being a research assistant actually here in Costa Rica in like during my master's thesis or my during my master's studies, actually. And I just fell in love with sea turtles and the work, you know, that encompasses, well, conserving sea turtles, but also studying sea turtles. And 
I just stayed. That's literally what happened. So I packed up all my bags. I'm originally from Germany. So I just left all everything behind and started working full time as a sea turtle biologist and conservationist in Costa Rica. Over the years that I was working with sea turtles, and of course, our you know immediate work is usually about trying to protect nesting mothers and their babies from from illegal harvest. So that means, you know, people that try to kill them, people that are taking the eggs illegally. Mm-hmm. But it is very, you know, very soon you come to realize, you know, the problem is so much more complex because sea turtles don't stay on just this one beach that we're working at, but they're highly migratory and they transverse the entire ocean basins. And there's so many more threats out in the ocean that have very little to do with what we do here on the beach, but have a lot to do with our lifestyle as human beings, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about climate change. We're talking about plastic pollution. And I mean, over the years, I always had volunteers. So we have volunteer programs usually that are attached to our conservation and research projects. So we get people from all over the world visiting our beaches and Of course, I always try to convey the message that, hey, you know, the work isn't done once you get home. I mean, it was great that you came and helped us, but think about all the things you can do at home to actually, you know, support our work. And I'm not talking even about money, but I'm actually talking about, think about, for example, your plastic consumption. Think about your emissions, because all of that is part of why sea turtles are endangered. But with the years, I also noticed there's only so many people I can reach with that, right? So it's really, you know, only the people that come and visit. I'm tucked away in a little village in the middle of the jungle. Even right now, I'm like sitting in my car trying to get Wi-Fi. And so then came the dawn of social media. And I think in the beginning, it was, of course, also difficult to manage because, you know, I don't have a lot of internet. Um, But I have always been a photographer and I have literally terabytes of photos and video images you know just stored away from years and I always like to document the work that we're doing and then this fateful day in 2015 in August actually August 10th so it's just about six years ago um, I was conducting research for my PhD thesis and we found this sea turtle that had a plastic straw stuck in its nose and I just filmed it like I often do just like the sequence of how we remove that straw and of course, once we realized what it was, and I put it onto social media, just as I did before with other stuff as well, the only difference was that it kind of blew up, right? Again, went totally crazy, totally viral. And I think it was an incredible learning experience for me because before that, I was very not very well versed in social media and had never had to handle something like a viral video. And all of a sudden... I had this like incredible platform, like millions, literally millions of people that were watching that video and that were reading the message that we tried to convey together with the video. And that was, yeah, plastic sucks, man. (laughs) You know, uh, even so far that there is a plastic straw that might get stuck in a turtle's nose. Mm. And so after that, it was just not so much that my focus shifted, but I think I just took advantage of, you know, all the attention that my video was got and just used it to kind of push the messages that I was trying to push before but never had the chance because I'm tucked away so far in the forest right and so right now I think the only difference is maybe that sometimes I have to think more about how I divide my time because it's you know I'm I am a scientist and a conservationist that works hands-on in the field 
conducting research, doing conservation. But I'm also super, you know, interested. And I think it's super important to do the outreach work. And of course, that's, you know, sometimes the two things don't always go super well together. But I think I have found a good balance over the past years. So I can do both. And I think for me, the most important thing was that I that I remain authentic. So I literally report from the field what I see every day. So it's not like I'm, you know, had this one video and then I kind of went into an office job, but I continue doing my work and I'm continuing to talk about, you know, all the things that are happening. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Back then, I have now a project in Costa Rica again that is doing research on conservation work. And I also work for a foundation that is fighting plastic pollution and is trying to, first of all, of course, change the system, you know, try to convince the big polluters to change their manufacturing processes so we don't even create that much waste, but also try to, well, educate consumers about, first of all, the harm that plastic does to our environment, but also to our human health and how Every single one of us can really do something at home. Of course, you can, you know, change your lifestyle, which makes it healthier for you, first of all. Um, but you can also use your consumer power to convince those big corporations that are polluting to change of what they're offering to us, right? So, yeah, that's that's my passion. And I don't think it's so much a focus that shifted. I think I was just absolutely gifted an incredible way of of really talking about what I'm passionate about. That's amazing. I love this story. Um, I've, I've read up a lot about you before we had our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, a bit. I mean, I did email you through your university email. <laughs> so I found a lot of different ways to contact you. Um, and so, you know, you have a lot of projects going on, you know, and you're doing a lot of things. You're bringing a lot of awareness and, you know, a big focus for you is really sea turtles and plastics. And so, you know, if there was one um, specific, call to action you would have for people that brings you the most satisfaction that, that you see the most results out there in the work that you do what would that be well literally reduce your plastic at home just use less buy less in general I mean we're using so much crap excuse me but you know we have we're living in this culture of consumption and it's just suggested in like consistently that you need this you need that and a lot of times you know if you just kind of step back and stop listening to the ads and and even the social media influencers or whatever you really don't need that much to be happy and you know if we stop consuming start to reuse a lot of stuff fix stuff that are broken rather than like throwing it out I think that's the biggest thing that we really can do for our planet because it will reduce emission and it will reduce plastic consumption just as easy as that Kristen I'm, I'm curious what what you're seeing because again you're you're there and and of course uh besides the straws and I mean I've been learning so much about um how much a plastic is in the oceans but just uh, one of the biggest problems I understand is is uh, fishing nets or pollution from commercial fishing. And then, of course, there's just, I mean, every kind of, because, of course, plastic, you know, takes who knows how long to break down. So it's like once it's there, it's going to be there forever. I mean, so what what kinds of stuff are you seeing in terms of plastics in the ocean? Well, a lot of times, so first of all, I literally go out every morning and I collect, I mean, I could collect more, but I always collect one big bag um, of plastic so that I can carry it home. And then from the project, we go out 
like once or twice a week and you know in a big group collects plastic as well and most of the plastic that we're finding is consumer plastic PET bottles so soda bottles um, bottles from oil um, from your bathrooms um, you know the the cleaning product bottles or wrappers food wrappers as well but of course a toothpaste toothbrushes combs made from plastic so many shoes flip-flops and others that are floating around there um, any kind of containers, that it be yogurt, anything, ice cream containers and all of that. Um, also, from it seems to be the like motor oil, engine oil, that's probably coming from, I don't know, the shipping industry or just somebody that's just dumping it in the river, who knows. And then, of course, fishing gear as well. I mean, with the fishing gear, um, it is not necessarily the biggest part of the plastic. It's just the most identifiable one. And, mm. you know, the, the study that is always cited is literally just looked at the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. So the estimation for the entire ocean is a little bit different than what's accumulating just in this, like, one particular part mm. in, in it. I don't want to say it's not a problem because it definitely is, especially ghost, ghost skin, whatever is um, what we call those discarded fishing lines that are just floating around by themselves are definitely causing a lot of, of harm to, to the environment, also to wildlife. But yeah, I mean, we also have a lot of just plastic pieces because what you said already, plastic is here to stay. So the estimation is that from, so we started producing um, plastic from fossil fuels like right after World War II, at least that was when it became super popular, like the new convenience product that every good housewife needed to have, you know, to make their lives easier. Um, so the estimation is from all the plastic that has ever been produced since like the 50s and 60s, about 60% is still on our planet. Yeah, mm. just like that, yeah. like sink in. And the, the, the only reason that certain plastic isn't is because we burn it, right? Because certain countries, mm. like, for mm. example, European countries that don't have so much space for landfills, they actually incinerate plastic. And only just really super small portion mm is even recyclable because not all plastic is recyclable if you ever look at a plastic there's like these little recycling symbols which are very misleading because only really plastic one and two are really usually recyclable mm. um and only of those plastic it's only about like conservatively maybe 10 percent that gets recycled and also you know recycling is not something that is like really a circle but the thing is, it can be recycled maybe once into a lower grade product, and then it's also not recyclable anymore, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so there's a lot of, uh, I just want to clean up with this recycling lie, because that was part of the whole plastic industry from the very start. They knew mm -hmm. that plastic is not that easy to kind of get, to make it go away, right? And also plastic doesn't biodegrade. So biodegradation means usually that microorganisms such as bacteria or fungi are going to break down a, a material into non-harmful parts that can just be integrated into the natural environment again. Plastic doesn't do that. Plastic breaks down, but by wave action and by UV, and it actually becomes microplastic and nanoplastic. So that means really tiny pieces of plastic. So first bigger charts, then smaller charts. And that is when it really becomes also a problem for us humans, because that is the moment when we are starting to ingest plastic as well so it is estimated that we're as you know that we're ingesting about i mean it has already been kind of like discussed if that's really a true equivalent but about the credit card size of uh, of plastic each week and that's a lot mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. it might not even be a problem 
um, because we might just, you know, <laughs> kind of defecate it in the end. But the problem is all the additives that are going into plastic to make them, you know, softer or more rigid, um, which are endocrine disruptors. And also plastic has a habit of accumulating toxins onto its surface. So especially when we talk about ocean plastics, they have like almost like a biofilm, which is really yucky that is kind of on top of it of microorganisms, but also of something what we call the forever chemicals. So there are certain chemicals that are used as flame retardants, think Teflon, for example, um, and uh, those things that are trying to make your, uh, um, you know, your, what do you call it? Like even even paper cups, for example, have like a lining inside that is mm -hmm. kind of repellent to water and oils. Mm -hmm. uh, usually it's like a lot of times it's PFAS, what we call them. And they are super, super, super unhealthy for us humans as well. And not just for us mm -hmm. humans, of course, for all the wildlife. And the curious thing is that we have pretty much documented the ingestion of plastic in the case of sea turtles in every single species. And it is estimated of all the sea turtles that we have in the ocean, about 60 to 80% probably have plastic at this moment because it doesn't naturally like or you immediately kill you if you're ingesting it, right? It can just be kind of floating around in your, ingest in, in your digestive tract. And only if, for example, it is blocking the digestive tract or it's leading to perforations, that would be immediately lethal. But because of all those chemicals, it is like very likely that your probability of survival and your health is very likely suffering from ingesting plastic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is just an example with sea turtles, but we know from seabirds, we know from cetaceans, that means whales and dolphins, they're all ingesting plastic. And because of the biofilm that is around plastic, at least for certain sea turtle species, plastic becomes food. So they pretty mm. much like the smell of plastic and eat the plastic. And it's not even that they, you know, that a plastic bag looks like a jellyfish and they mistake it. No, they actually go for the plastic because it mm. smells delicious to them. Mm. So that is the reality, unfortunately, of plastics in our oceans and also the realities of plastic that ends up in our food, like in our food again, right? And it's not only if you consume seafood, but just think about all the foods that you buy in plastic. So you have foods that come in, you know, plastic tries. You have your microwavable dinner that comes in plastic. You drink water out of plastic bottles. So all of that makes you ingest plastic pretty much every single day. And and what is what is sorry? I'm just curious. Uh, what is the uh, sort of the effect on on uh, biology? Uh, I mean, the different fish and and of course the turtles and the whales and everything in terms of uh, what kind of destruction is being seen because of the plastic? I mean, besides the ingesting, what, what, what's really actually happening, you might say, in the, in the seas and the oceans because of the plastic? Well, I mean, the, the death is definitely the most drastic one. So because of ingestion or entanglement, so a lot of death happens because of entanglements. Um, and it's not just fishing nets, but it can be like, you know, a, a back of something. We have actually found turtles stuck in car tires you know, they, mm -hmm. I don't know even how they got in. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing is also it's because of all the um, of all the chemicals that are accumulating in bodies. And it's not just plastic, right? I mean, sometimes it's really difficult to say where are the chemicals coming from because we're polluting our oceans everywhere. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. as an example, the orcas um, in front of, of Canada actually have problems of 
producing healthy babies. And one of these suggestions is that it's probably also due to pollution. Maybe probably not just because of plastic, but you know, that is one effect of how chemicals can actually affect the biology of, of, of animals as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I think we're only scratching the surface of all of that. So recent studies show, for example, in us humans, our sperm count has gone down ever since the introduction of uh, plastic that contains BPAs, um, which are what we call endocrine disruptors. So they're messing with your hormones pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I lost a lot of times they actually, um, what we call they are kind of, and they are hot, like yeah, they imitate estrogen, so they're feminizing populations. Mm. And so, in some animal species, for example, those chemicals lead to producing more females than males, for example, or that males mm. all of a sudden don't look like males anymore, but show certain morphologies that look more like females. Mm. Um, but mm. are they actually males, right? So this is happening, and this is also happening in our human population. So if you guys are interested in that, I highly recommend the book. It's called Countdown by um, Dr. Shaw. Uh, she's actually summarizing a lot of those studies and how that affects human health as well. I mean, you just laid down a bunch of mind bombs in my brain. Right now. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. like I knew quite a bit of that, but you know, I didn't. I did not know the film on plastic. I did not know that basically becomes bait for sea life. And, you know, you look at, you go to the grocery store or you go and you have lunch in the cafeteria or amongst friends, or you go to a party and the amounts of plastics is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I think a a big step that our audience here, as well as myself, I've been taking these steps recently over the last, you know, couple of years is really just noticing how much plastic is in my house, is in my car, is at work, is in my food, is in the foods I'm picking off the shelves. And it's really deterred me away from picking those things because I'm realizing just how much I'm I'm using, even though I'm trying to be as minimal as I can. And it's interesting as well, because I bring up this person a lot just because she lives with me, but it's my sister. (laughs) She, um, she, you know, she was in Philadelphia for 13 years. And um, so over there, they don't drink the tap water. And so she was drinking plastic bottle water. And um, then she moves here with me. And, uh, you know, we get water from a water source company that purifies it for us in these huge, huge tanks. And we bring them home. And that's how we drink our water. And she didn't realize how many bottles she was going through until she bought a pack after um, moving here and realized, oh, my gosh, I would have gone through this within just a few days. And this huge tank here can last me a lot longer. And after seeing your video and showing her a little bit of what we're doing, you know, she doesn't drink water bottles anymore. She doesn't use the plastic straws anymore. And it's all about that awareness piece, I feel like, is just noticing how much plastic is around you and now noticing as especially for me how much bait am i potentially putting into the ocean that attracts sea life and harming them which in the end also harms me too and uh, so thank you for all that information that was i felt like i just wanted to summarize that a little bit because and, that was and, amazing yeah i mean and also just kind of to add something because maybe at, at this point some people were like yeah but my trash doesn't end up in the ocean because I dispose it in my trash can right (laughs) so the problem with that is that first of all just kind of give you the stats about 80% of the trash that we have in the ocean comes from 
land-based sources. So that means you might have put it into your trash can. It went to your landfill. And for whatever reasons, because there was a flooding, there was a hurricane, because the US of A ships their trash to other countries, not just the US, Canada, Europe, they all do it. They ship it to countries that have not a good waste management in place. And so latest there, it might end up in the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very easy to kind of push the responsibility away from you, but we are responsible. So in the moment we are consuming something that has plastic, we are responsible for that plastic in a way. Maybe it shouldn't be that way. You're right. I mean, it's the corporation that are producing that. So that's that's the other discussion. But we always have to keep that in mind. And maybe also going back to, you know, your your sister and whatever. Like I have to say, every time I'm in the US, I'm getting so much anxiety about plastic because there's so little awareness. So even if I go to people's house for a party that I would consider very, you know, educated and usually very conscious of all of that. They still have plastic plates, you know, disposable ones and, and the, the red beer, whatever cups and all of that. And then when I just mm-hmm. see the trash bag at the end of the party, like I literally want to cry because mm-hmm. would it be so bad if, you know, you just kind of put it all in the dishwasher and, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of wash your plates and silverware or in the restaurants, you know, it's all so disposable. Like, why can you not hire an extra person that would actually wash your plates and your silverware and, you don't have mm. these amounts of trash that you're creating. Mm. Yeah, the thing is, is I, I was I was thinking about this. If uh, I don't know why it occurred to me today, but I was thinking that if I had like a a room in my house that was just filthy, and and like the solution uh, was rather than like an empty room, and rather than cleaning that, I'm going to just shut the door and lock it. You know, to me, that's how sort of the oceans are, right? It's that. I mean, you're there, and and I love the fact that you're that you're here as a guest because you're you're bringing sort of that world to us a little bit. And the thing is, though, it's it's so out of sight, out of mind for people, you know. And uh, and and so we don't really, in a lot of ways, we don't feel connected. I mean, a fish looks so different than a dog, you know. So it's like we feel like it's something totally, you know, different than us. And and yet and yet we're so so connected and. I think a lot of people aren't aware of that, you know, and, and I hear, I mean, I, I hear when I hear you talking about all of the effects of plastic on people, I know that's just because of your experience from talking to people that that's the only way you're, they're probably going to make changes, right? Is if it's like, oh, it's affecting me and my health and my family and my children and so forth. But but really, it the, all the rest of it breaks my heart in terms of what it's doing to all of the other life out there in the oceans and everywhere in the world, really, it's just affecting. So it's like what I, what I, what I love about, about your message. And also of course, really, you know, this is like, you know, we're talking about this all started for us. We contact you because of the sea turtle with the straw in its nose, but, but now this is really like, Hey, this is a big battle that all of humanity has against this substance, which is so powerful, this plastic substance that, I mean, there's so many uses for plastic that in my short lifetime, it's almost like everything has shifted to plastic, right? And, and the scary part about that is because of, of the, the lower cost, the ease of manufacturing, the, the ability to form it into different shapes. It's like, how are we going to get the human race to see this problem and go back the other direction, which is what we really need to do? And, and so, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that we're doing with Good Viral is we're, 
is, is we're trying to unite people that, that want to do more. And we believe that people can and want to do more. You know, the question is really, um, uh, well, I'm going to, this is one of our, our most important questions. What can our listeners do? Uh, and I mean, obviously there's, there's ways that they can, that they can donate money. There's always ways that they can contribute in that way, but also not only on a personal level, like in terms of what we do in our kitchen with our plastic, right. But also just what can people do if, if, or our listeners do, if they're listening to this and they're saying, Hey, this is important to me. I'm learning. I want to be involved more. I want to do more. What, what can they do? Well, of course. I mean, we've already talked about what you can do at home. So the next step would be, hey, that's not enough. Like I've already cleaned up my house. I don't, I'm not using especially single-use plastics, for example, because if you think about it, plastic is a miracle product, right? So I wouldn't be able to talk to you right now because my phone is made from plastic. So we live in this fossil fuel-based society, right? We, we have a car, we produce plastics from fossil fuels. And the thing is, like, I don't even say that we cannot have plastics, but why do we need to make plastics, for example, for objects that we're only going to use for minutes or maybe even just seconds, right? It's a totally misuse of an incredible material. So it's a design mm. flaw if you want so. So, mm. okay, so you cleaned up your house. So the next step would be to support legislation. A lot of times, you know, go out and vote and kind of try to get active politically so that the big corporations are forced to look for better materials. Because if we, for example, looking to Europe, Europe just banned certain single-use plastics and all the big polluters are scrambling to look for alternative materials, right? Because now they have to, because I don't trust that the corporations are going to make good decisions just because, right? I mean, there might be some, but honestly, I think unless there is some kind of, you know, yeah, some kind of legislation that will force them to do the better thing, it will not happen. So I think this needs to happen in all countries. So the government needs to say, okay, you know what? We don't want that crap in our country. We don't want to deal with the waste that is produced anymore because who is actually paying for all the waste thing? It's your tax dollars, right? All the municipalities that need to take care of it. So that means get political, try to vote for parties that, or even just initiatives that are trying to do something against plastic pollution and usually also against fossil fuels because that's kind of goes hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. um, that is, I think, another easy thing that everybody can do. And, you know, and also if you want to do a little bit like reducing plastic in bigger stars, I have been talking a lot with kids, kids group that were really interested of getting their school cafeteria to stop using plastics their favorite supermarkets, their favorite restaurants, because you would be surprised that once you start talking to people of how willing they actually are to change, because sometimes it's just ignorance about the topic. Sometimes it's like the missing motivation. But I have, you know, just for example, the, the, the bars and resting that I've frequented in my time in the US, they were inspired by my story and they started using, for example, plastic straws and other plastic stuff. So that makes me happy because, you know, it's not just me that is reducing it, but I have inspired a whole business that is, would pre be producing a lot of plastic to not do that anymore. And I think that is yes. also something that people can do. Absolutely. You know, I think you hit a point that um, as we wrap our conversation, I just kind of want to highlight because <clears throat> I didn't know this for a while. And I feel like we're going to have a lot of people listening to this episode, not knowing is what you said a couple of times, which is 
plastic comes from fossil fuel manufacturers. So we're talking like when people say oil and gas industries, gas prices, things like that. You also need to think of plastics. This is where plastics, petroleum, you know, things like that are coming from. And so, you know, just kind of put those things together and know how world economics works with that, not to get too political, but to kind of have that idea of that's what's happening in your head when you go to the supermarket, that this is in a sense, someone you're supporting on top of the food manufacturer. And so if those are things that you care about when going to legislature and things like that, that's also something that you're backing is change, not only for plastics, but also for fossil fuels and those types of things. So I just kind of wanted to highlight that so people really get (laughs) that's where all these plastics come from maybe just add one thing so the thing is that worldwide the use of fossil fuels is going down right because people have Mm -hmm. come to realize hey climate change emission it's a problem so we need to build more fuel efficient cars actually maybe not even cars that are powered by fuel and so the oil and gas industry is actually scrambling to build a future for themselves. And especially the US American gas and oil companies are betting on plastic production. So they want to ramp up plastic because that is where the money is still, you know, because that is where fossil fuels are still needed for. And so another reason is like, we need to get away from fossil fuels. So that means we also need to move away from plastics and find better solutions, just as easy as that. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for being on our podcast. Like, this has been absolutely so educational, not only for me and I'm sure for Demian, but for our audience as well, in terms of what they can do in their own home, what they can do as a community and legislature, but also just kind of the awareness of how plastics from the ground into the ocean and the cycle of what's going on with that as well. It's, it's very, it's kind of that eagle eye view to really get a good picture of what's really happening so that you can take your own action. If these are things you truly care about and not only that, but also learn why should we start looking into these things and perhaps start caring about this stuff as well. So we can make good change, not only for us, but for everyone in our families and the world. So thank and you so much. And the sea turtles. And the sea turtles. Yes, absolutely. The reason why I was, I'm in this, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know what I think is cool as part of, sorry, real quick, Damien, um, it's real cool is that, you know, um, you knew probably a lot about this kind of stuff moving into your industry and marine biology. But I think it's really cool to see that good viral really can bring good change. And this one sea turtle really brought about millions of people, if not more, across the world to really start taking even just the smallest steps to make big change in the world. So thank you for sharing your video with us. Well, I did not know when I shared it that it would become viral, but you're welcome, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I want to follow up on that also because I mean uh, the you know the the change of plastic straws to paper straws is really scratching the surface, and I, and I love the fact that you that you spent a lot of time talking to us about the overall mission, which is the reduce reducing or the stopping the elimination potentially of of plastics because this is just I mean at least like you say maybe. Uh, uh, certain certain uses are are very important, but most of them probably can be done in a different way. And and really, what what we're about, and this is why we're talking to you today, is about the conversation. I think that when you mentioned uh, the influence that we can have, 
I mean, I think that our listeners also can uh, just through conversation, you know, learning what you've shared with us today and then having this conversation with their friends, their family, because it's important to them. And so, you know, I, you've inspired me today with what you've what you shared with us. And so that means that, you know, I'm going to take that inspiration and I'm going to uh, I'm going to share that with other people. I'm going to talk to other people about that. I'm going to say, hey, I was talking to Christine and, and this is what she said. And this is. And, and I think more people need to do that. And the more people that do that, I think that as our education goes up, maybe our, our behavior, our choices will be different. And, and, and that's what we're hoping for, right? So, so I want to thank you personally. And, and uh, it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about all of this. Thank you for listening to the Good Viral Podcast and being part of the conversation. If you are inspired by this episode, go to our website at goodviral.org where you can find resources and listings from the episode to continue good efforts. Like, comment, and share this episode to any or all of your social media channels. It's really easy to take a small action, and maybe you'll inspire a big result. When good goes viral, the world gets better.